0: Previously on Radio Redux. Welcome to the Hidden Palace. It's Opposite Week here on Radio Sega, and
1: uh, wait a sec, what the uh, hell do you think you're doing?
0: a hi, Skyblazer. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but this Opposite Week thing, Radio Redux doesn't actually have any. We, we've kind of been left out. Um, so I'm kind of well, looking around just for, for a show, just to take over, just briefly, just briefly for just one show. And that, I thought that, that,
1: that's great and everything, but I need Fruits beat you to it. I need Fruits beat you to it. I need for its beat to it. I need for its beat to it. I need for its beat to it. I need for its beat. To- Welcome to The Hidden Palace with Kev Blaze.
0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, or night, wherever you are in the world. I am, by popular demand, Kev Blaze, and this is The Hidden Palace here on Radio Sega. On this week's special Summer Shake-Up Show I want to take you back, back to a time of change when the modern-day Sega was just beginning to find its feet again. Cast your minds back to the 7th generation of video game consoles. The early days of the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3 and the Wii. The Sega of this time was now several years into its transformation into a third-party publisher. Fans were still not that happy, but the reorganised games division had weathered the initial storm of its formative years. It was helped largely through the positioning of the Sonic franchise, in particular its first multi-platform release Sonic Heroes, which would become the franchise's most financially successful title for many years after that not including Mary and Sonic at the Olympic Games in 2007 which made a ridiculous amount of money. The 2006-2008 period saw a number of Sega's more outlandish third-party deals begin to come to fruition, and whilst the results were a mixed bag, that bag still contained a lot of very different double-A titles, not really thought of today. Little gems, games such as Chrome Hounds, Full Auto, and its sequel Full Auto 2, the Wii port of arcade title Ghost Squad, the criminally underappreciated, condemned to bloodshot, and one title made by a Liverpool-based publisher with a history of punching above its weight. That studio was Bizarre Creations, and the title in question was The Club. you just heard was the title theme to the club. Curiously, it was the only track for the soundtrack uh, that was created by Danish composer Jesper Kidd, who's best known for his association with the Assassin's Creed, Hitman and Borderlands series. The rest of the soundtrack was created by Bizarre Creation stalwart Richard Jakes. He contributed to the iconic Dreamcast race game Metropolis Street Racer, the forerunner to Project Gotham Racing, and the award-winning soundtrack to the studio's last game, James Bond 007 Bloodstone. Multiplayer tracks, however, were created by Geometry Wars retro-evolved alum Chris Chudley. On May 5th, 2006, The Club, then just tentatively titled as that, was officially announced. Originally, it was for a 2007 release date, although a number of factors would eventually prevent this from happening, including the acquisition of bizarre creations by Activision, although this would not affect The Club as much as Bioware's acquisition affecting Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood. The club is a loosely organised and highly illegal underground entity, a meeting ground for those seeking the ultimate in vicarious frills and for those who want to watch them. It's an underground blood sport, controlled by a faceless, obscenely wealthy, and influential elite, operating a live streamed, visceral spectacular on the dark web. For the entertainment of drug lords, mob bosses, tycoons, Russian oligarch, neo-capitalists, third-world warlords, arms dealers, and those enjoying the privilege of celebrity. Gameplay mixes elements from action shooters with arcade accessibility, the pace of a racing games, and a story structure based on the fighting game ladders. Players choose from a selection of characters, each with their own reason for risking life and limb in order to beat or conquer the club, or at least what it represents. Some are driven by greed, some are driven by a higher purpose, and some are are just plain psychopaths. Travelling the world to a variety of unusual locations, players must first survive but also survive well. With an array of high-powered weaponry at your disposal, your task is to build points by, whilst trying to earn your escape, killing enemies with ruthlessness, accuracy, speed and flair. Like shooting via ricochet or rico sleigh in the club parlance, or killing somebody after a roll or a vault. The more you kill, the more you earn and the less time you will have before your combo starts to bleed away. As the game itself points out, kill or be killed, stand still and you're dead.
1: Sega music, live shows, and the chance to request your favorites. This is RadioSega.net. Sega. The Hidden Palace Welcome back to The Hidden Palace! Join me amongst the ancient ruins of the Emerald Shrine as we look at facts, trivia, and easter eggs from Sega's vast library of software, hardware, and much, much more. I'll also hope to broaden your musical horizons in the Chipchun corner, so come along, grab a seat, but just remember to keep your hands off my Chaos Emeralds. The Hidden Palace, Saturdays at 9pm UK time, that's 10pm Europe, 4pm Eastern, and 1pm Pacific. Only on Radio Sega.
0: Who the heck was that? Damn fakers. Anyway, uh, those last two tracks were two level themes. uh, Steel Mill and Ocean Liner. And uh, I've got to say, that Ocean Liner in particular, that sounded very Sonic Riders Zero Gravity-y to me. I don't know about you guys bizarre creations actually put out a whole host of press releases for the club loads of them a lot more than you would normally get with a sega title and pretty much about every single thing imaginable they did a lot about the characters and they did a lot about the locations ocean liner in particular they went into quite a lot of depth of the history of the place and this is not actually really mentioned in the game at all this is just random other stuff that they came up with in terms of the background so this is what it actually says for that the ocean liner location the rms aquilania launched in 1921 as was part of an illustrious family of ocean liners Not quite sure that reads properly, but that's what's written. So luxurious were the facilities aboard her that she was nicknamed in the press as the Queen of the Seas. During the prime of her life, she regularly carried movie stars, millionaires, presidents, titled heirs, and royalty back and forth across the Atlantic. Her palatial adorned staterooms, bars, restaurants, and ballrooms played host to various scandals and legendary incidents over the years reportedly three popular musicians and singers met aboard her and collaborated on writing a musical together to pass away the time only to then ceremoniously throw the completed manuscript into the water just as the ship made port as you can tell none of this is remotely relevant to this is where you shoot things and people go die One particular female movie star was supposed to have married a millionaire husband at the start of the voyage and filed divorce and met her soon to be next and even richer millionaire husband before the ship had reached port. Four people were supposed to have thrown themselves overboard on one single voyage, having left Liverpool as millionaires and then found out, when news of the Wall Street crash was telegraphed to the ship Mid-Atlantic, that they would be paupers when they arrived in New York. Three murders were committed aboard her during the years of service, one of them allegedly involving an heir to the British throne. She served as a troop and hospital ship during the war, but then afterwards, with the start of the post-war boom in transatlantic air travel, gradually slid into genteel decay and decline. She was sold from one owner to another, at one point restored to something resembling the opulence of her heyday, but the era of the great luxury liners was over. The Aquilania survived the fate of many of her sister ships, broken up and sold off as scrap, or tackily converted into package holiday cruise liners in an attempt to give holidaymakers the taste of the extravagant luxury of a bygone era, when a storm broke her from her moorings and crashed her into the rocks off the coastline of her home port. The ageing Queen of the Sea survived the battering from the storm, but was deemed unsalvageable. There she's lain ever since, impaled on the rocks, the subject of years of lawsuits between owners and insurers, as her fate was put on hold indefinitely. So it was that the Aquilania eventually passed into the hands of the club. Now as she was before, she will become a playground for the rich and powerful, but for a kind of entertainment that could scarcely be imagined by those that travelled on her in those far more civilised eras. As for the steel mill, or Stahlwerk, as it's actually labelled in the game, uh, the German unification wasn't kind to the East German industrial town of Jägerhof. The financial benefits anticipated by many failed to arrive, but the real blow arrived when the town's steel mill, ran down by decades of communist mismanagement and unable to compete with steel production in the West, shut down. Then Recently, and suddenly, there were rumours that it had been bought. No one knew who the new owners were or what they were doing with the place. After all, it had been left to rot for years. Strangers were spotted up at the mill and, incredibly, rumours spread that they were American movie producers looking for a place to film their new movie. The movie producers arrived with trucks stuffed full of equipment and setting up began at the mill. The inhabitants of Jägerhof had hoped for jobs helping out, but were disappointed that the producers didn't hire any locals. Neither could the locals catch a glimpse of any of the big stars assumed to be there, as movie studio security guards were dotted all around the mill, threatening anyone that tried to get too close. The people of Jägerhof didn't even know what kind of movie was being made in the steel mill But everyone assumed it must be a big war picture or Hollywood action movie on account of all the fake gunfire noise they can hear coming from the place. As a game, the club does not pretend to be anything other than what it is. It's a game you are supposed to run through again and again and again. Trying to workshop your roots, improve your aim, find secrets and up your score. This includes the discovery of skull shots along your path. Think road signs with a skull spray painted on them. In fact, that's literally what they are. Uh, these can be shot to add to your combo, uh, as can secret skull shots, which are in, like an all green target. And these are often obscured and somewhat out of the way from what would be the ideal. And, as in all good games of this type, bonus enemies can be released that you can only see for a limited time and you need to shoot from a distance. Often through a whole bunch of stuff that's in the way. Get them and you increase your combo score and get a little bonus. Don't get them and you've wasted your entire time and your combo. Speaking of which, this style of combo timer as well as the bleeding effect is still seen in games today. In fact, if you've played Rebellion Zombie Army 4 Dead War, their score system is pretty much exactly the same. When it came out in 2008, the club didn't exactly set the world on fire. And in fact, the most headlines it grabbed was many months later when a movie was announced whose poster completely ripped off the club's front of pack art style and design, right down to where the characters were placed. It was pretty gratuitous. Speaking of movies, if the club came out, say, a decade later than it did, 2018 as opposed to 2008, it would have actually drawn comparisons. To the John Wick franchise. Actually, come to think of it, the club is a dance like better than a lot of the games that have the John Wick name attached to it. But that's not just the gameplay and the frenetic pace. The shadowy underworld of killers and assassins that John Wick inhabits does have some parallels with the club. It even has its own seemingly untouchable figurehead in The Secretary, who runs the functions of the club in much the same way that Winston runs the Continental Hotel. Albeit looking less like Ian McShane and more like Agent 47, but as an obnoxious paper pusher.
1: Welcome to the club. I'm the club secretary and you'll need to listen to what I say carefully if you want to survive. If you intend to stay alive in the club, then you'll need to make yourself familiar with the rules and know how to score big points. The basic kill score awarded for shooting an enemy is based on factors including enemy type, range, and hit location. The harder the shot and the tougher the enemy the more points you will score for the kill. Combos are the key to high scores in the club. And the key to combos is your kill bar. After making your first kill, your kill bar will fill up. Make your next kill before this bar ticks down and you will increase both your combo and the points awarded for your kill. However, if you let your kill bar tick down, your combo will start draining away. You'll need to use sprint to get to your next target as quickly as possible, so that you can keep increasing your combo. Play the game well, and you can keep your combo alive until the end of the challenge. Find and shoot skull shots hidden in the course to increase your combo, refresh your kill bar, and earn maximum points. Look out for places where you can perform moves such as barges, vaults, and dives. When you see the icon which tells you that you can perform the move, press the action button. The club rewards stylish kills, so performing a kill directly after an action move will give you more points. Aim mode and knowing when to use it will be key to scoring well. So, now you know the rules and the techniques, it's time to begin the tournament for real. So who are the other playable characters?
0: Well, they're the usual mix of nationalities and motives that you'd probably expect. Dragov, aka The Beast. A heavily tattooed, mountainously built man. A Siberian hunter, a trapper, a bandit. Dragov is arguably the most wanted criminal in Russian history. According to the game's law, it took three platoons of special forces to actually capture him. But they couldn't keep him captive for long, and he soon broke free, slaughtering his way out of Russian's most secretive and brutal gulag prison, fleeing on foot across hundreds of miles of frozen tundra wilderness. Military helicopters were sent in hot pursuit, snipers aboard given strict orders to shoot to kill, However, someone with Dragov's reputation got the attention of people at the club who thought he would be worth a lot more alive than dead. A swift phone call was made directly to the powers that be at the Kremlin and almost immediately, those snipers were called off. And instead, they were instructed to take him alive. Renwick A tough, no-nonsense NYPD detective of more than 30 years standing and one of the most decorated cops on the entire police force. Renwick first picked up rumours about the club, some kind of freak circuit, underground snuff show entertainment, from his contacts in the New York underworld. Equally intrigued and sickened by what he was hearing, he tried to investigate further, but found all his official lines of inquiry blocked by the NYPD itself. The harder he pushed, the more resistance he encountered. The club have powerful allies within the mayor's office or the NYPD, or both, because not only was Renwick taken off the case, but when he tried to go to the press of his suspicions, Convincing but obviously trumped up allegations of bribe taking were suddenly brought against him. Forced to resign to avoid a scandal and possible criminal charges, Renwick continued his investigation unofficially, using his own time and money to try and break the veil of secrecy surrounding the club. He must have got closer than he knew, or finally irritated the club enough to make them do something about him, because what he thought was a new lead turned out to be an ambush with the club enforcers waiting. Now he's in the very thing he was looking for. Finn. Now Finn's the character I always play as. He's in his mid to early 30s. Uh, He hails from the American South. He's a professional high stakes gambler who rides his luck a lot harder than he should. And certainly uh, rides it a lot more than the safe for him. He finds himself drifting from city to city, country to country. Always leaving behind a mess that uh, he's trying to escape from. He's always chasing the next big game, next big score and always managing to stay one step ahead of the law. When he got to Las Vegas however his past did indeed catch up with him as did the mob. Uh, He kind of owes the mob a cool half million dollars and apparently if he doesn't pay they're going to take what they're owed it says here in body parts so with Finn's luck apparently running out things take a turn for the better or is that worse he hears about the club hey there's lots of money involved and you know he can Do a little bit of uh, nastiness if it gets him out of his jam. After all, that's a game for high stakes as well. If he wins, he goes free with his debts paid off. Not like he's got much of a choice because the alternative is being strapped to a chair surrounded by mob thugs and uh, a very short life expectancy. Finn's actually got a very well-balanced character with little emphasis on the stamina side of things. Seeger is, in a way, the most worrying character there is. He's in his early 20s. He's a handsome, athletic, confident, rich kid who likes nothing more than living life on the edge. He's an absolute thrill seeker. Anything you could name, he's done it. Extreme sports, legal street racing, Russian roulette bare-knuckle boxing and more he's always pushing himself to the edge looking for the next high and the next most extreme test of himself then he heard about the club and while other people are forced into the club seeker pretty much volunteered for the club he went seeking it out In fact, he was captured and brought to the moneymaker of the entire enterprise, the secretary um, Killed his, the two people that was actually his prison guards Could have shot the secretary, didn't so laid the, Instead laid the gun down uh, and also laid some money down and said some simple words I want to play To him, the club is a game. So you can see, in a way, he's possibly the most worrying character. Kuro. To members of the club, Kuro is a notorious international assassin and terrorist, thought of as the modern-day Carlos the Jackal. He was captured by the club using their extensive contacts in the criminal underworld and global law enforcement organisations. If it hadn't been the club, it was only a matter of time before an international law enforcement agency caught up with Kuro anyway. Nonetheless, Kuro is now in the game of his life with the club, offering him a chance of freedom, survive the gauntlet put in front of him and they'll line him up for a new face and identity anywhere in the world. It's a very tempting offer. However, Kuro isn't actually who the club thinks he is, for once the wall's been pulled over their eyes. He is in fact a deep cover operative for the very same international law enforcement organisations that are supposed to be hunting him. The real Kuro was secretly killed in a shootout with Interpol agents over a year ago. There are those within the organisations hunting him who have known about the club, but have been powerless to do anything about it, and Kuro's death provided them with the perfect opportunity they were looking for. Working in absolute deepest secrecy, they knew that there were those in their own ranks in the pay of the club, so they've given them a chance. Bizarrely, the first line of the press release description for Kuro describes him as, and I quote... Um, Kuro can be best described as the Ferrari F50GT of the club. He's very quick, is I think what they're trying to say. Killen. Don't let the name fool you. At least, not entirely. He's a tough, grizzled, middle-aged man uh, with a real down-and-dirty outlook about him looks like a real outlaw Um, Killen is an Australian he's the club's favourite son although he wouldn't want to be Uh, one of the club's rare survivors he's sort of come back for more again not of his own not of his own choice Um, he's the competition's highest kill scorer he's uh, pretty much just a legend in this underground world Um, but the money men want him back Killen's been on the run for years, moving from continent to continent, changing from one identity to another, running with other outlaw groups and existing, trying to exist like below the radar and out of sight, but you know, trying to keep the life for himself going. Unfortunately, the club have far more contacts than Killen reasoned with and eventually they caught up with him. It only took one whispered word to bring the most fearsome killer in the history of the club to heel, And that word was Rebecca. That wasn't Martha. Sorry. Rebecca is Killen's daughter. Fathered years ago, and he hasn't seen her since she was a baby. However, it, she is literally the most worthwhile, only worthwhile thing in Killen's life. He thought she was safe, he thought no one else knew about her, but the club has found out. They know everything and for her sake, Killen has been forced to go back into the ultimate game. Can he win it again? Well, that's up to you if you pick him. Adjo is from Nigeria. He is a giant of a man. His name is actually to be righteous, is what it means in uh, Yoruba. And... Basically he just wants things to be right for his people. There's more than a suspicion of a history of violence in his past to be true. No one the club recruits or press gangs into its service is a stranger to violence, but whatever he's been responsible for from the past, Adjo has now been trying to redeem himself. He projects the community, he projects and protects this aura around his community that has taken him in, defending it from bandit gangs as well as from corrupt police and government officials. He also protects it from unscrupulous foreign investors who are out to exploit the community and cheat it of his land. Ajo eventually became such a costly irritant to one of these foreign investors, a multinational oil company trying to illegally build a polluting pipeline across the community's land, that a group of reliable contract killers was hired Discreetly. To take care of him. Adjo single-handedly killed them all. And uh, immediately got the attention of the club. Kidnapped by agents. And it says here not without some cost to the agents. He's given a choice. If he does not take part in the club, Adjo won't believe the miseries the club will inflict upon the community he protects. A strong silent type, he's got no choice but to go along with the club's plans, but may decide to have a reckoning of his own with the men behind the club should should he make it to the end of the tournament. Unfortunately, The Righteous never seem to do well in the club. Spoiler for all of this by the way, and another spoiler coming up, but the endings of pretty much every single character in the club are not good. There isn't really one where it's like aha, the club is defeated. No, the club kind of wins. The house always wins. They might gain their freedom, but there's a catch usually. Just because the uh, you've got away from the club doesn't mean they can't still stick their claws into you. There is one more character. You need to find out a bit more about him by completing him but uh, there's Nemo. Nemo is a weird hulking figure in like a yellow coat with a blue-black mask over his face and something very wrong in his eyes. Nemo is damaged goods. His mind is gone leaving only the urge and need to kill. Kept like a masked pet in confinement within the club, his identity is a mystery to all. Within the club, there seems to be a great deal of controversy about what exactly to do with him. Although just about everything about Nero remote, sorry, Nemo not Nero, uh, remains a mystery, he seems to hold a great deal of significance to the inner circle of the club, representing some kind of dirty secret they don't want anyone to know about. And there are those within the circle who think that Nemo should be quietly disposed of. But in the true style of the club it is decided that this would be a waste and that the issue should be decided in the tournament arena itself. What is the secret the inner circle so dearly want to keep? Well if you find out in his ending he is actually the secretary's son who growing up around the club has become deranged turning him into a psychopathic killing machine. What the secretary thinks about this isn't entirely clear other than a degree of sadness but ultimately Nemo's quite a tragic figure time for a couple more music tracks That last track was Hunter Hunted from the club, preceded by Fox Hunt, which is one of the multiplayer modes, so it was a Chris Chudley track. Whilst we had all those characters, and they did have voice actors for the most part, none of them were in any way notable. More UK bit part actors. Uh, Adjo's VA played the very well-known role of Crippled Man in Parts of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest and was then eaten by a Kraken. But outside of this, he, like the others, had numerous bit parts in various soaps and dramas for the BBC and ITV. So things like Emmerdale, and Coronation Street, EastEnders, Casualty, Heartbeat, The Bill... Speaking of police, Renwick's voice actor Roger Albra who is about as far away from a grizzled black American cop as it is possible to get, has, over a 12 year period, played five different one episode roles in BBC daytime drama Doctors. Five. Despite this, the club did actually rate pretty well as a game. It scored quite a lot of 7 to 8 out of 10s, pretty much across the board, although I know the Metacritic is around 67 I believe. Um, It did even get a 9 out of 10 from Videogamer.com who said it was, and I quote, one of the finest examples of bringing the essence of arcade gaming to modern consoles it didn't have a lot of push from Sega in terms of promotion. It appeared behind closed doors at E3, and the only time it featured at a press event for Sega Europe was as a secondary, if not tertiary title during their Condemned 2 event. You can still get the club today on Steam, usually for an absolute pittance when the sales come around, and I recommend you do as it's a unique title. only during those sales, it's 9.99 at the moment, and previously in sales, it's been around about 1.79. So uh, definitely worth a wait. It did at one stage suffer as one of those early ports that weren't looked after very well, and as a result, didn't really start or begin. Especially given that it's a Games for Windows Live title. With Bizarre Creations closure in 2011, there's been no official workaround for the death of GFWL so you'll need to implement a FAN workaround in order to, you know, save your game. In any case, we are coming to the end of the show. I have no idea how Skyblaze gets the show going this long because I have padded like crazy, as you might have gathered. However, we're going to end things as we normally do on Hidden Palace with Chiptune Corner. Yes, we end things today on my little spell as caretaker of Hidden Palace with Chiptune caller. Naturally, there's no Chiptune version of anything to do with the club and I did check and they didn't see any much anything to do with Chip tune for any other Bizarre Creations title. I was so hoping for a Chiptune version of something from uh, Metropolis Street Racer but alas, no. So um, in lieu of that... Here's the opening and Snakeman stage composition from Mega Man 3 in chiptune form, part of the 2009 album Chip-Tuned Rockman. That's all for now from me. I'll be back on a forthcoming Sunday with some more Radio Redux, if there's anything left of it after Rexy's done with it. Your next summer shake-up show on Radio Sega is Saturday Night Sega with Rav siege Unless they've changed things around. In which case, uh, stick around and see what's next. Bye everybody, see you later.